0: All right, let's take our Bible and turn to the uh, 12th chapter of Exodus, Exodus chapter 12, Exodus chapter number 12. This, of course, is the chapter that deals with the event of the Passover, which, of course, we know gets is has its namesake in the fact that the Lord passed over the houses that had the blood of the lamb, uh, having been struck upon the door, the two the two doorposts and the lintel upper. Uh, lentil of the house. And so when the Lord, just like the Lord said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And so Exodus chapter 12 deals with that event, but that's not what we want to look at exactly. We don't necessarily want to look at the event itself. We will begin reading in verse number 14. Well, what I want to look at this morning is the the feast of the Passover that was instituted prior to the event. Now, we have the feast is a, a yearly feast that was celebrated, uh, but the word feast just means a festival. It was, it was a yearly festival celebrated by the Hebrews that commemorated the event. And the event is the, what we might say is the main event. That's the, the, what, it, what it commemorates and this feast was actually instituted before the Passover happened. It was the, 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 the time before the Passover happened. The Lord said, you are going, I'm, I'm about to do something. And, and afterward, I want you to commemorate what I'm about to do. So there's a prophetic element to what we're going to read here. Verse number 14 says this, Exodus 12, verse 14 says, And this day shall be unto you for a memorial. And ye shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. ye you shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. Seven days shall ye eat unleavened bread. Even the first day ye shall put away leaven out of your houses. For what, whosoever eateth leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. Now remember we talked about the, uh, we're going through Acts. In Acts chapter 12, at the beginning there, we talked about how that the, the Feast of the Passover and unleavened bread were just one kind of big feast that was kind of named together. This is the reason. Verse 16. And in the first day there shall be an holy convocation. And then the seventh day there shall be an holy convocation to you. No manner of work shall be done in them, save that which every man must eat. That only may be done of you. And you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread. For in this selfsame day have I brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore shall ye observe this day in your generations by an ordinance forever. Drop down, if you would, to verse number 43. The Lord continues talking about the ordinance of the Passover. He says, And the Lord said unto Moses and Aaron, This is the ordinance of the Passover. There shall no stranger eat thereof. But every man's servant that is bought for money, when thou hast circumcised him, then shall he eat thereof. A foreigner and an hired servant shall not eat thereof. In one house shall it be eaten. Thou shalt not carry forth aught of the flesh abroad out of the house, neither shall ye break a bone thereof. All the congregation of Israel shall keep it. And when a stranger shall sojourn with thee, and will keep the Passover of the Lord, let all his males be circumcised, and then let him come near and keep it. And he shall be as one that is born in the land, for no uncircumcised person shall eat thereof. One law shall be to him that is homeborn, and unto the stranger that sojourneth among you. Thus did all the children of Israel, as the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron, so did they. And it came to pass in the selfsame day that the Lord did bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt by their armies. Let's pray together. Our Lord, we come to you in thanking thanking you for what you have done. Thank you for the fellowship that we've enjoyed uh, even already uh, this uh, Lord's Day. Thank you for your people that have gathered here today to hear the Word of God, to see one another, to sing songs, uh, to praise you, to... Uh, to take heed and to focus upon what your word says. And I pray, Lord, that you would guide and direct, that you would give me the words to say to help your people and give them, Lord, and m- me included, the the heart to receive them. And I especially pray that your spirit would really stir among us with these truths that we will uh, we will read this morning and we will study. Lord, please let the the truths of the Lord's Supper sink deep into our hearts and transform us and move us and, and affect us profoundly, not just to have another service, but, Lord, that would, you would truly meet with us and, and stir our hearts with the, these truths. You have commanded us to remember these things. And so, Lord, I pray the memory of these things would, would affect us uh, for your honor and glory. So, Lord, we commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we see in verse in chapter 12, starting verse number fourteen, that again, the Lord institutes the Passover. And what I want to do is, I want to make use this event because there are many parallels between the institution of the Passover and the institution of the Lord's Supper. Did you, for instance, did you know that the Lord's, the Lord's Supper was instituted before? the event that it commemorates happened, right? The event that the Lord's Su- Lord Supper commemorates and memorializes was the Lord's body being broken and His blood being shed. But the Passover happened the night before. I'm sorry, the, the, uh, the Lord's Supper, which, was, uh, which happened after the Passover meal. So the Jews had their Passover. And it's interesting because in this respect, the Lord's Supper and the Passover overlap because they happened on the same night. The Passover meal and the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Supper is kind of an extension of the Passover meal. But they, they overlap and so there's parallels between these two. And uh, what I want to do is I want to give you just three words. Now you were hoping I was going to just say three words and then we would be done, but... I want to give you three words that kind of summarize what I want to what I want to say. The first word I want to give you is the word ceremony. Ceremony. Now, if you look at chapter 12 of Exodus, verse number 14, notice the words that are, that are used. Verse 12 says, verse 14 rather of chapter 12 says, and this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and you shall keep it a feast to the Lord. You could use that word feast, festival, you could say ceremony at that point if you wanted to. Uh, throughout your generations, ye you shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. Verse 17, look at that if you would. And you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for in this selfsame day have I brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore shall ye observe this day in your generations by an ordinance forever. Chapter uh, chapter uh, Same chapter, verse 43, also uses the word ordinance. It says this And the Lord said unto Moses and Aaron, this is the ordinance of the Passover. An ordinance. An ordinance is an authoritative direction or decree of God given to perform. And we know that the church also has ordinances, right? Things that God has commanded us, specific things, ceremonies that God has commanded us to perform. Now, we know our church is very informal, in other words not referring so much to the way we dress we dress formally as a, trying to honor the lord but but when we talk about formalities we shake each other's hands we're not somber and those kinds of things and so we don't have a whole lot of these kinds of ceremonies that are you know that that a that a lot of uh, religions might have there's in cambodia has so many ceremonies they have holidays all all kinds of different holidays and ceremonies for each one of those so we don't have a lot of that. The Lord has given us two. Two. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2, the Bible says that the ordinances, Paul refers to the ordinances that he had delivered from the Lord to the church at Corinth. In other words, these are things, these are teachings, these are specific uh, uh, directions from God that God has given to us that He expects us to perform. there, are, if you will, ceremonies. Well, who knows what the first, the first ordinance is that one might come across? Is What we have uh, set up back there for is baptism is an ordinance. It's a ceremony that is intended to be the, the introduction of a person, the first step of someone who has believed in Christ to enter into the, the fellowship of the saints as an act of obedience. And so we have a ceremony, and that's, that's something I, I just want to tell you. I'm praying that the Lord lets us see a lot more of those ceremonies among us. People being saved, people following the Lord, following through, uh, demonstrating that they want to follow the Lord by baptism. But the other ordinance that's mentioned in the Scripture, in fact, we'll, we'll look at it later this morning in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. The ordinance that specifically Paul's referring to in that chapter is the Lord's Supper. He expected, he gave direction from God to the church that this was to be observed. This is to be observed. Now, the the reason why this ordinance, I'll say the word ceremony, or you could say observance, is important is because this ceremony is a special event that departs from the normal activities of the church on a week-to-week basis. Now, there are some churches that have this ceremony every week, our church will not be one of those but but the, the the ceremony kind of departs our order of service today will be different than it normally is because we have a special purpose it's a special emphasis and and that's that's one of the reasons why we don't do it every week now there are some people there are some faith systems that believe that some sort of grace or some sort of uh, some sort of Benefit is conferred to the, to the person who participates in the Lord's Supper. They receive something by it, and so they do it every single week, thinking, well, you've got to have that renewed every week. But when we understand biblically what the Lord's Supper is, we want it to be a special occasion. Amen. We want it to be something that's, that's not, that doesn't become humdrum, whether we do it once a month or every fifth Sunday or once a quarter, whatever we do it, twice a year, whatever we end up doing it, it must be something that is special so that we can give special emphasis to it. That is exactly what the Passover was. It was a special time of year for the Jews when they would set time aside that, in fact, the, the, the people of Israel would have to travel to Jerusalem. This was a big deal. This was a big deal. And so the Lord's Supper should be to us. Notice what it says that in verse number uh, Exodus chapter 12, verse... Number, let me find my page here. Notice what it says in verse 14. And ye shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. Ye shall keep it a feast by an ordinance. What's the last two words? Forever. See, this ceremony of the Passover was to be done at regular intervals every year in perpetuity. In perpetuity. Israel observed the Passover every year, even to this day, even to this very day. In the millennium, I, I, there, there will be festivals like this. Even in the, when Christ reigns on earth from Jerusalem, there will be festivals that Israel will observe. So this is in perpetuity. So the church has the Lord's Supper, and it is also to be observed at regular times in perpetuity. What do we mean by that? The, you remember what the Lord said? Again, He said, I will not drink this fruit of the vine with you until when? When? until I drink it anew with you in my my father's kingdom. You see, in other words, this, this institution, this observance is to be carried on all the way until the Lord returns, all the way until we're all, all the church is gathered together with him. So even as we do the Lord's Supper, we are looking forward. You know, the Israel in the Passover, they were only looking back. There was no forward aspect to the Passover, not so with the Lord's Supper. We have both. We look back, obviously, because it's a memorial, but we also look forward. Because one day we're going to have the Lord's Supper with the Lord Himself, physically present. And so we look forward to His coming. It's because, and because it's done regularly, it provides a regular reminder of the truth that the Supper Signifies. In other words, the Lord wants us to remember his sacrifice. The Lord wants us to remember his sacrifice. I'll say more about that in just a minute. Lastly, about this word ceremony, and again, I'm not, you know, when I was in the Marine Corps, we have ceremonies, right? Ceremony, anybody in the military has ceremonies about everything, right? And, you know, that gave me kind of an appreciation for ceremony. But in spiritual things, I've seen ceremonies abused and people think that they're somehow they're somehow closer to God or somehow they're that it contributes to their salvation that they take part in a ceremony. And that's just not the case. That's not the case. But so, so I'm hesitant, to be honest with you, to be transparent. I'm, I'm hesitant about ceremony. Sometimes I feel a little uneasy about ceremonies. This is one God has commanded. Amen. And it is a, many things that we do, that we preach, that we study in scriptural things, Where you know, our kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. So many things we talk about are spiritual truths, right? But this ceremony is a physical event. It has spiritual truth attached to it, but there's also a physical part of it as well. And so, is setting a time, setting time aside to actually do something. There is a, a physical aspect to it. Look at chapter twelve, verse twenty-seven. It says this. In verse twenty-four, he says, "Ye shall observe this thing for an ordinance for thee and to thy sons forever." Verse twenty-six, and it shall come to pass when your children shall say unto you, "What mean ye by this service?" that ye shall say it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover who passed over the houses of the children of Israel. Remember, there's a difference between the ceremony and the event. The event is the core. The ceremony is the reminder. All right. So the, it says, When he smote the, children of Israel, the, the, smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses, and the people bowed their head and worshiped. Look over at chapter 13, verse 8. The Bible says this, and thou shalt show thy son in that day saying, this is done because of that which the Lord did unto me when I came forth out of Egypt. And it shall be a sign unto thee upon thine head. See that he specifically mentions down in verse number chapter 13 verse 14. He mentions again, and it shall come, it shall be when thy son asketh thee in time to come saying, what is this? That thou shalt say unto him, by strength of hand, the Lord brought us out from Egypt from the house of bondage. And it came to pass when Pharaoh would hardly let us go that the Lord slew all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beasts. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all that open at the matrix. Notice, here's what I want you to understand. Because it was a physical ceremony, it raised questions. Specifically of the kids. You ever notice how kids are so interested and curious about activities maybe that, that, that adults can participate in, but they can't, and they see the adults doing those things, maybe driving a car, maybe handling a gun, things like that that, are, that, that the adults do because we want to keep them safe. One negative thing is alcohol. The parents drinking alcohol makes the kids curious about alcohol. That's a That's a reality. But that's because this, this aspect of kids and they're curious, you're not allowed to do this. Mom and da- mommy and daddy can do this, but you're not allowed to do this yet. And, and so the kids, that just makes them want to do it more. Well, the Lord's Supper is kind of like that. It's a physical thing that we partake in. They, we hold these the bread and the juice and we, we, we hold it and the preacher talks and we, we eat it and we drink it and all that. And the kids, they look at I've seen my own kids when they were little. They would, they would watch Just watch and curious about it. You know what that is? The Lord wants us to do this ceremony partially so that we have an opportunity to explain not the ceremony, the truth that the ceremony signifies. So the question is, how important is it then that we teach our kids these truths? It is so important that the Lord provided a ceremony whereby we would have that opportunity. And we know that If your children are young and haven't been saved and haven't been baptized, of course, they shouldn't take the Lord's Supper. But you do have an opportunity to explain it to them. The second word I want you to understand is this. let, Let me just pause here and go back a second. The truths that the Lord's Supper symbolizes are things that should be really the core of your children's thinking. When they think about our faith, it ought to be about Jesus. Amen. It ought to be. Not, it ought not be necessary about the church, although that's an important thing. The core, the center ought to be Jesus. His body broken, His blood shed, His resurrection. That is the core of the Christian faith. It's not ceremony and, and pomp and circumstance and holidays. And, no, 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 no. It is Jesus. Even the very ceremony that we, that we perform is not about the ceremony. If if we perform the ceremony just for the ceremony's sake, we are off base. It is about Jesus. It's about his sacrifice. The Lord's trying to point us back to that. He says, stop looking at the ceremony. That's only just something to point your eyes back to the cross. The second word now I want to point out is the word memorial. Look at chapter 13 here in Exodus, verse number 3. Chapter 13, verse 3 says this, And Moses said unto the people, Remember this day, in which he came out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. The Lord said in Luke 22, verse 19, This do, speaking of the Lord's Supper, He said, This do in remembrance of me. I'm repeating myself a little, but I, but I need to say it, that one point of constant confusion among people, even among Baptists, is what is the effect of this memorial, the Lord's Supper? Many people believe that, give, that God gives some sort of grace. It's a means of grace. That it contributes in some way to our salvation. But it is nothing of the sort. It is a remembrance. It is a remembrance. The salvation was contributed through the cross, which is the event. Not not, not the, uh, the ceremony, but the event, the ceremony is supposed to be pointing to. That's where, that's where the grace was given. The memorial, again, is just an arrow to point it back, point us back to the cross where Christ became sin for us to save us from sin. The memorial itself does nothing at all, does nothing whatever to save us or contribute to our being saved from sin. <clears throat> you know, in the church, there are only, because there are only two ordinances, you know, there's just two. So there's not a lot of opportunity. You know, you have holidays about, we have, in America, we have holiday, Memorial Day, Veterans Day, Martin Luther King. I mean, Christmas, Thanksgiving, 4th of July. I mean, there, all these things represent, these holidays represent uh, special days, right? That we're, we're to celebrate. In other words, we're supposed to remember something because of these days. Like July 4th, Independence Day is, is to remember our country's founding. That, you know, so all these different things. But the Lord doesn't, doesn't remind us of all these kinds of things, although there are many things to remember. He says, basically, I got two. If you remember these two, you'll be good. Number one is, is baptism, which symbolizes not only the cross and the resurrection, but it also symbolizes the the new life. It's a a picture of salvation, right? And then you have the Lord's Supper. So of all the things that we might need to remember, the Lord says, I want you to remember the cross. We might forget a lot of things about a lot of doctrines. If you forget the cross, you have forgotten the most important. It should be in our memory constantly. That's why this is a memorial, and that's why we have this ceremony. It is the cross. Christ's body broken, blood shed for our sins, tells us that this subject should be the very centerpiece and focal point and core of this church. Why? We have a ceremony to remind us. And because there is a ceremony, a memorial ceremony, you know what that means? There are set times where God says, stop. Stop thinking about other things and think about this. To intentionally direct our minds on this truth. So when we have the Lord's Supper in just a minute, I don't want you to just just sit there and just go on through it, numb as if you're numb. I want you to, I want you and I want myself. I want to direct my mind and my heart to what Christ has done. That is the purpose. You think about Pearl Harbor Day, Memorial Day, Patriot Day, which is the commemoration of 9-11. Those days are set aside to cause us to remember. They have TV specials and all kinds of stuff, right? To cause us to remember so that we don't forget. Because by remembering, even though these events, the cross, in this case, the Passover, even though many, many, many generations had passed, the Lord says, I want you to do this forever, every year. Even though time had passed, every year they would be reminded. And their their heart and their mind would go back to the Passover. And they would think upon what God had done then at that event. And knowing what God had done would continue to influence them in the present. And so it is in the Lord's Supper. By continually remembering what Jesus did upon the cross, His body broken, His blood shed for us, that event continues to influence us to this day. Listen to what He says in Psalm 106, verse 21. They forget their Savior, God their Savior, which had done great things in Egypt. You see, the Passover was given so they wouldn't forget, and they forgot. And what's also interesting, if you know the history of Israel, what was the one thing that they kept, that for many, many generations, they never kept? The Passover. They forgot. Think about the ways in which Christ's sacrifice continues to affect us. Listen to this. I'm going to just read these verses. Romans 14, verse 15. But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably. Destroy not him with thy meat for whom Christ died. The Lord says you ought to treat your brother and be careful about not causing him to stumble. Why? Because Christ was broken for him. 1 Corinthians 5, 7, Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Christ was broken. He was, he was the spotless lamb, right? That feast of unleavened bread. And so we should be bread unleavened. That's what it's teaching. That is without sin in our, in our lives. Ephesians 4, verse 32 says this, And be kind one to another, tender hearted. Forgiving one another. God says, forgiving one another. Upon what basis? Even as as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. That's why we forgive, because Christ bled and died for that person to forgive them. 1 John 4, verse 10 says this: here in his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. When did that happen? On the cross. Body broken, blood shed, and then he says, "Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another." <laughs> so the cross, the Lord points us back to the cross. They see this is how much I loved you, and I, this is how much I love this church and each one of you in it. And so you should love each other just like that. We need to be reminded of that. Amen. I thought about that song. Brother Ari, this is like the perfect song. He says, King of my life, I crown thee now. Thine shall the glory be, lest I forget. Now we know that we don't intellectually forget the cross. But what that means is not that we forget that it happened altogether. What it means is it is not in the forefront of our mind that we've forgotten it. It's no longer influencing what we do. Lest I forget, lest I forget Gethsemane, lest I forget thine agony, lest I forget thy love for me, lead me to Calvary. Listen, that remembering what Christ has done for you will affect your life. It'll affect the way you live. It'll affect the way you treat other people. It'll affect your values. It'll affect the direction of your life and what you choose to do with your life. Because it reorients your priorities. And so that's why we do it. Third word and last word is the word requirements." Look at Exodus chapter 12, verse 43. I won't read it for time's sake, but from f- verse 43 down to verse number 51, God lays requirements for the Passover. Not everyone was permitted to partake of the Passover. There were rules. Only, do you know, no non-Hebrews, Gentiles were allowed to take part in the Passover? We say that's mean, that's not equality. That was the requirement. And if someone was a stranger and they wanted to take part, well, they, had to, they couldn't just come in and take part as, a, as an outsider. They could not come in and take part with just the memorial, just the, uh, the, the, the feast of the Passover. No, they had to be all in. They had to be circumcised, all the children, the household, all that. In other words, they had to become a Hebrew as a proselyte. They couldn't just partake in one festival and then go on about their way. No, 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 no. You were either in or out. You were either a Hebrew or if you were a stranger, you had entered into their society and worshiped their God or you could not take part, period. The meal had to be eaten only in the house. Nothing could be taken out of the house. And the elements, the the unleavened bread and the kind of bread and the, the way that the lamb was to be cooked and no bones were to be broken. All of that was prescribed. And furthermore, it says the whole congregation was to keep it. So if you were a Hebrew, you were responsible to take part in it. And so it is with the Lord's Supper. This is the Lord's Supper. It's not our Supper. We don't do it according to what we think. We do according to what the Scripture says. Now, if you would, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, chapter 11. We'll just you can leave your Bibles open there because we will we'll be looking at that during the Lord's Supper as well. The Lord also has requirements for the Lord's Supper. It's not a free-for-all, it's not open to the public. And it's not open to everyone, necessarily everyone that's here. The Lord Jesus Himself established the pattern in the first supper. There are two elements, the bread, the unleavened bread, which is used from the Passover in the instance of the first Lord's Supper. Unleavened, that is without sin, symbolizing the Lord's body, and then the fruit of the vine, symbolizing His blood. So God said these are the, these are the elements of the Lord's Supper. It's to be taken, the Lord's Supper is to be taken, by those that have put their faith in Christ and have been born again. Notice in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 16, the Bible says this, The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? And the bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we being many are one bread and one body, for ye are all partakers of that one bread. How do you get into the body of Christ? By being saved, being born again. Every person that's born again is in the body of Christ. So the Lord's Supper is allowed to be partaken of by those who have been children of God, who are saved. Now, just to clarify, you don't take the Lord's Supper to be a part of the body of Christ. You take it because you are. Not in order to, but because you are. So that's a, we've got to make sure that's clear. And then also, baptism. Acts chapter 2 talks about how the, the, the people, uh, in Acts 2 verse 41, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. And one of the things they did was they broke bread. And it was after they had been baptized. And so the requirements are, you've been saved, you, you're truly born again a child of God. And number two, You've been baptized by immersion, biblical believers, baptism. And then the third is in chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians. The third requirement is what I call active self-examination. We might say, search me, O God. This is not, "Ah, eh, I'm good. This is deliberate, deliberately examining your heart and life. 1 Corinthians 11, verse number 27. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink of this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. I can't possibly know if you're right with God or not. If you have open, unconfessed, unrepented sin in your life and you're living a life of rebellion against God at this moment, I can't possibly know that. That's why the Lord says, you examine. It's His supper. I can't say, well, you don't look like you're following God, so you can't take it. I, I can't do that. But may I encourage you Amen. to have self-examination. These Corinthians, and I'm not trying to, Certainly not trying to threaten anybody, but it is a fact that in Corinth people had died because they did not examine themselves. You see, how many of you have ever been to Ground Ground Zero in New York City? Has any, have any of you ever been there? Nobody. One person. Yeah, Sharon. Was it was it shortly after after they'd already built the m- monument and all that? Yeah. Okay. When we went. Uh, when we went early on, not long after, it was in 03, something like, for four maybe, whatever it was, there were still holes in the ground, right? Where they were still digging them out before they had built the monument. But they had a, a plaque, like a, you know, along, along the, the block there, because it took up whole blocks, along the block there was a big plaque and it was inscribed with the different names before they got the final one done, which is the one that's there presently. And when you, Allison remembers this, when you walked up to that, monument to that memorial, which was just temporary at that point. It was dead silent in New York City. Now you heard the, the car, cars, horns honking and stuff in the distance, but where we were in, new, in lower Manhattan, silence. You know why? Because people that walked up to that didn't have any words. It was, it was reverential. It was, it, the sound just went away. It was really eerie. See, that's kind of like what the Lord wants us to do. This is not, the Lord's Supper is not a celebration, really. It's a time of examination to seriously think upon what Christ has done for us. It's not meant to be jovial. No, it's not, it's not uh, grave necessarily either. But it's meant to be, you know, just like when you walked up to that memorial and everything went silent, the way that in a similar way, when we, walk, when we come to the Lord's Supper, we examine ourselves in that same kind of reverential way. We want to be clean and pure. Lord, look, look at me. Is there anything in my life that shouldn't be that I've been neglecting? This is your body, your blood. Now, we know the bread and the juice are not Christ's body and blood, literally. They're symbolic. But they do represent that. And so the Lord says in chapter 11 at the end of verse 29, he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself. Why? Not discerning the Lord's body. Just like if you were to go up to that Ground Zero Memorial and you'd be like, you know, lollygagging and joking around and people would look at you. What are you doing? Now, the people that died on 9-11 weren't there. You weren't desecrating their bodies or their memory or whatever. No, 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 no. But the memorials, it's supposed to be to remember that. And so your conduct is supposed to match that. Well, when we look at what Christ did for us, how should that affect our life? Amen. You see, that's why the Lord tells us to examine ourselves. So we must search our heart for any known sin. In any way that we might be out of fellowship with the Lord. Or out of fellowship with one another. So you have ceremony, you have memorial, and you have requirements. So as we do the Lord's Supper, I I hope that you focus your heart and mind, use this opportunity that the Lord has provided to us to focus your heart and mind on what Christ did for us. And let those truths really sink down into your heart that I would let them sink down into my heart as well. Let's pray together.